0: so i want to do a little follow-up right now luke uh, swinging out coming right out the fences okay boom boom uh it's not swinging at anyone um oh, a few, i'm going to later okay good uh a few episodes ago the one where we talked about a perversion of the gospel
1: right mm-hmm. and i brought up father uh james martin and i said that most catholic schools are terrible yes uh i'm sure you didn't get in trouble for that but um I met colleges, and they have to have power over me. So suck it.
0: So uh, two people in particular, Paul and Jose, commented on the. Uh, Paul wrote a book. Uh, Paul is awesome. He's at a. He's at a church. They've invited me out. We tried to make it work last last year, I think. Oh crap. Um, but Paul helped start. Um where Peter is website, kind of responding to the, what I would say was, especially earlier on, the absurdist critique of Pope Francis. the absurdist right-wing critique of Pope Francis. So Paul, um, he's reached out to me a couple of times saying like, hey, you know, I don't think you're giving Francis a fair shot. Paul wrote uh, a, a book, which is what he, he goes, well, this turned into a book, um, talking about gradualism. And I want to say that I'm the one that brought up gradualism in that episode. Um, and he talks about, he says him and a fellow minister at the parish got into a pretty intense discussion about it, and so what I want to do is just lay out, uh, just with some quick follow-up, I, I can't even remember my argument, I'm just coming right out of a parish mission so I can't remember the argument, but everything that Paul says in res- or pretty much everything that Paul says in response on our Facebook post he literally wrote like probably three pages if you were a copy and paste it, is this understanding of gradualism is this notion of I'll use the Pope Francis word accompanying a person from wherever they're at to the place where they can find that freedom of walking in God's grace for years and be able to freely respond to God what we what we call heroic virtue he makes the point that I I made it sound like I was expecting people to be perfect right I'm in particular with bringing up Father James Martin that I expect Men and women with same sex attraction, LGBTQIA, whatever it is, that by not preaching to them the moral demands of the gospel, including, you know, the the stance that courage takes, that Father James Martin and people like him aren't actually building a bridge, instead they're building a wall around those who want to be faithful. Now what I want to, I just want to make clear, I just want to make clear, because there's some pretty killer quotes from Pope Francis in here that I, uh, that I really liked. We're trying to dig out the one. Uh, I think you'll like this. Those who yield to this Pelagian or semi-Pelagian mindset, even though they speak warmly of God's grace, ultimately trust only in their own powers and feel superior to others because they observe certain rules or remain intransiently faithful to a particular Catholic style. When some of them tell the weak... That all things can be accomplished with god 's grace, deep down, they tend to give the idea that all things are possible by the human will, as if it were added as if it were something pure, perfect, all-powerful, to which grace is then added. They fail to realize that not everyone can do everything, and that in this life, human weaknesses are not healed completely and once for all by grace, in every case, as St. Augustine taught. God commands you to do what you can and ask and to ask for what you cannot, and indeed to pray to Him humbly grant what you command and command what you will. I just want to say that, uh, as someone who has studied moral theology, the whole notion of virtue and the understanding of chastity as as necessarily, uh, which we touched on with Abigail Favali, that chastity is about growing in virtue of chastity, it's not that um, you must be perfectly pure, look, you're perfectly pure right now, now just don't lose it. The whole idea is you can't lessen the demands of the moral law in order to make Christ appealing, the church appealing, faith appealing. That's the whole point of what I was saying. I wasn't saying you can't accompany people from wherever they are, and that's why we are sympathetic to someone like Father James Martin, because unlike a Michael Voris, who, who seems to not care to have that missionary mindset, he has that institutional mindset, like the, that was, the whole point of what I was saying was the reason why we tend to give Father James Martin a break until it appears that he has gone way too far is precisely because he's trying to, quote unquote, build a bridge. He's going to where people are and not where we who don't struggle with that, you know, that we have our own particular rules that we can maintain, that we don't care about it, right? D- does that make sense, Luke? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So my whole thing, the whole point of my argument was not that because we demand of the homosexual Catholic to renounce his homosexual desires and, oh, look, you failed, ergo, vis-a-vis, you can accordingly get out. In no way, shape, or form was I even implying that but i could obviously understand this is the dicey thing in relationship between morality and evangelization that i think people on both sides can be too flippant with it right so it is one thing to have the stirrings of grace move in a person's heart so they gradually can grow in holiness and accept the natural law and and what it dictates and all that stuff it is another thing in, entirely at least in theory but in practice it might seem different to deny or negate the demands of the gospel, right? So we don't set aside murder because people like to murder, right? We hold them to a standard of thou shalt not kill, right? So the same is true. But now when, when we look at our sexuality, obviously it's different. There's these inward impulses and drives and all this stuff. It's much more hardwired than an act of physically killing someone. But at the same time, to preach the gospel but to never get to the moral demands or to set aside the moral demands. And I don't mean heroic virtue. I mean what ordinary men and women are called to live, not mortal sin, okay? Not mortally sinning against the sixth commandment, the ninth commandment, if we're talking about sexual sins. That is something that I find we are scared to talk about sexual morality, and so we minimize it or we emphasize this notion seemingly to evangelize But in the aspect of evangelizing, we're actually, I think Father James Martin goes too far. I think he goes grossly too far, but I think he's going too far in the fact that he, ultimately, his goal is to bring these people into the church. But if you bring them into the church and there is zero understanding, this lifestyle is incompatible with the gospel. Just like I literally work with people who are in the midst of affairs, and I journey with them, to use those phrases, out of that. I don't cast them off into outer darkness. That's not my place. My place is to walk with them. But I find that this, is, this, this thing keeps coming back up in that we want to accommodate the teachings of the gospel to people's moral weakness. The gospel is the only thing that can save them from their weakness, i.e., it's grace. And so I'm not saying, well, because you can't make this thing right now— that therefore you can't be a Christian. What I'm saying is we as Christians can't negate a teaching of the church simply because other people can't follow it. Right? Does that make sense, Luke?
1: Yeah, I I, I think where the tension is, is that when it comes to that gradual approach, very few people, and I'm I'm and by People, I mean, uh, for lack of a better term, public uh, public figures like us, to a much like bigger and more important extent, one like Father James Martin, um, very few people give actual like practical tips. So it So like what you get are these at times uh, polarized sound bites or polarized s- statements that then create this dichotomy of of um it's either like too watered down or you like have the voice thing where it feels just so unattainable slash not realistic so and i i'm not saying that like you do that i'm not that i'm just saying like that's where i think a lot of times like that's where uh that's where the tension exists right so yeah. i think courage does a good job of going into this but i'm talking about about people who are publicly talking about this, very rarely do you get into the practicalities of what that looks like. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, this is not about, like, I'm just, uh, this is more on like Father James Martin, I guess, in the approach of how do you, like, like what does his bridge actually look like? Right. and m- More often my- than not, it's what yeah. really, let me just add this part. It's yeah, yeah. him being on the, quote, unquote, other, like, other, side talking about how bad the church or people within the church are. And that's not, to me, that's just not good.
0: Right. And what I'm saying is like, this is the problem that I keep having when we talk about this one issue. Okay. So my issue with Gomer is that I got the sense that there was little room for weakness, that God demands heroic virtue from us as if it were a burden. However, heroic virtue is God's burden to carry. Only God expects what someone is capable of doing at any given time. If someone possesses heroic virtue, it's not because of their strength of will, it's because of God. Okay. And then um, the follow up comment from Jose was We should encourage a great organization for Catholics with same sex attraction who are able to walk the ideal, but we shouldn't use the ideal as a bludgeon against those who haven't been yet evangel- been evangelized yet. That's why Father James Martin is reaching out to the LGBT community, inviting them into an encounter with Christ, because so many feel that the church itself doesn't respect them. So we have to build trust, welcome the community, and draw them closer to the ideal and to the truth. And, you know, some people say, like, of course, the church, everyone knows the Catholic Church is against gay marriage, gay sex, and all that stuff. But we need to let them know that, the, that Christ is not against gay people and nor is the church. And that's what Father James Martin is trying to do. And uh, to that point, I would say absolutely, like, I'm on board with that. Like, I am on board with preaching the gospel like okay i mean let me make this clear if there is a a lesbian couple that comes to my church because they want to go to an alpha course that we're offering and we're one of two locations in the woodlands that offers it i'm going to welcome them with open arms right i'm doing i'm i I would love for them to be there and i'm not going to be like listen hey really quick uh, this is the church demand that you uh leave your lesbian lover and like stop all this stuff that would never in a million years be what I do because I evangelize people for real. And the problem that I was addressing is that when people break away the moral demand of the gospel from the gospel, you they're not two separate things. Now, I'm not saying you walk, and this is a thing that I've, I've said so many times in this podcast, it kind of drives me nuts that this was a, a sticking point. So many times, I'm, I have quoted Bishop Barron saying, When someone doesn't know about baseball, you don't start talking about the infield fly rule. You show them the game. You take, you know, the same is true about Christ. You show them Christ, right? But Father James Martin, his agenda is not just about reaching out to the LGBT community. He backs organizations that are trying to change the church's teaching on homosexuality, on gay marriage, on gay sex, okay? That's the difference that I was trying to draw, right? And by drawing in courage, this is the thing that pisses me off about this. This is the wall. This is the frickin' wall that I was talking about. He's building a bridge to groups that are anti-Catholic Church's teaching and demand that it change. Demand. These groups demand that it changes. Okay? Meanwhile, courage does the gradualism. And I think that people, just because there are people within courage who have achieved a level of chastity with regard to their attractions— suddenly means that courage is only for the heroically ideal not every person in courage is walking the heroic ideal but that Damn. and i don't even think you should call them heroic ideals not mortally sinning is not a heroic ideal however however walking uh, struggling with sin the subjective dispositions of someone's past right all these circumstances all of this is something that needs to be taken into account all of this is something that needs to be taken out. But, and uh, this is the problem that I keep running into is people think that courage isn't doing that. Or they're like, oh, well, they're calling people to live chastely, ergo vis-a-vis concordantly. They're not really evangelizing. This guy's going to where they're at. That's what courage is doing. Yeah, they're going oh, uh, where yeah. people are at. They are walking with the people no matter where they are. And they're loving them. The funny thing is I had a courage, a, a mother of a young man who joined courage, reach out to me. And the most amazing experience ever, her son wanted to kill himself, not because he was Catholic and struggling with gayness, but because his homosexuality was uh, basically bad relationships with other men were destroying him. And you know who loved him in the middle of those bad relationships? Someone from Courage. They didn't look at him and say, you know what you need to do? Your problem is you're gay. You need to suppress it. No one did that. And no one's advocating that. And the reason why I'm like – I'm not mad at Paul and Jose. I think actually the points they make are really great, and we needed to bring them up and kind of correct them. But the, the fundamental thing that I'm pointing at is the negation – Not I, I would never use the word heroic ideal. If you read the book Sources of Christian Ethics by Father Survey Pincares, idealism is something more uh, – when it applies to morality is, is Lutheranism. It's not Catholicism, right? Martin Luther would view things like the Sermon on the Mount as heroic ideals meant to convict you of sin because you can never attain them. That is not the Catholic view of the Sermon on the Mount. However, however, my whole thing is, if, right there from that statement, courage is a great organization for Catholics with same-sex attraction who are able to walk the, walk the ideal, but we shouldn't use the ideal as a bludgeon. Boom, you got a wall around courage. Those are the people who are heroically perfect. I'm not like that. There go, ergo vis-a-vis concordantly, I'm not going to respond to what they're saying. I'm going to go to this other group because they get me. And courage gets you if this is your struggle. Mm -hmm. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying every courage, maybe every courage, but, you know, I don't don't know. I've never met every single person in every organization to vet them. But what I'm saying is you can't negate. If you want to pick and choose what what can get presented in the gospel, whether or not the moral demands are a part of the gospel. I'm not talking basic gospel message. I mean, what does it mean to follow Christ? I mean, I had to give up pornography. It It took me a decade to give up pornography, Luke. A decade of my life of actually fighting it to give it up. If someone, and, and I can tell you the shame I lived with being a, a Christ follower and a leader in the church and all this stuff, especially, you know, back in my past and all this stuff and carrying the shame with me that I couldn't control. And if it wasn't for the grace of Christ and community, I would be destroyed. But if your community around you isn't connecting you with the grace, grace of Christ, because they don't think you should strive for that ideal, quote-unquote, then you're never going to be free. You're never going yeah. to find peace. You're never going to have contentment, and there's a wall.
1: I'm sorry. I like it. This is like this is the stuff that I, I think we need to talk about because I think for the most part that it's just talked about comes across as two quote-unquote extremes and what i like about a conversation like this is it's more of uh getting practical in my opinion
0: yeah yeah like i mean uh, so i was referencing the whole chastity thing like i was at a moment of despair because i was habitually attached to pornography and all the host of things that go with it and i remember reading a line uh, from saint thomas aquinas because i was studying theology that said men who have lost their willpower by repeated vice are guilty even though they no longer have self-control because when they had control they plunged themselves into this and i you know I'm, i'm totally butchering the quote but it was something along those lines and it's like like right so like the idea of someone who gets drunk and then crashes their car and kills someone or hurts someone they are to blame for that they can't say well i'm sorry i didn't mean to i was drunk You know, they're to blame for that because they're the ones that got drunk. And you might say, yeah, but he was an alcoholic. You don't understand. He had a horrible life. All of that being said, all of that being said, if I'm, if I'm an evangelist, I'm not a police officer. I'm here to help the alcoholic be free of his alcoholism. But what if I don't think alcoholism is the problem? Then I'm not going to help him as an evangelist get free. Mm. See, that's what I'm talking about. And I'm, by freedom, I don't mean you never experienced same-sex desire, same-sex attraction, same-sex inclination, the bisexuality, the desire to be transgendered, right? I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is freedom to follow Christ. That though these impulses might be real within you, like my impulse is to go look at pornography and all that stuff, that though that might be real and overwhelming, and yes, I said pornography instead of pornography, um, it might be real and all that stuff, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I can't grow in holiness. Mm-hmm. I I mean every LGBT person who struggles at all is growing in virtue. The, even if they fail, that's why the chastity part in the catechism says these laws of growth are often marked too often marked with failure and when i read that i said yes this is step by step i don't need to think i'm here to that's a whole critique of purity culture you've already attained it don't lose it whereas virtue says you don't attain it your will's bent your emotions are all over the place now fight for it mm. and and that's an aspect of a god's grace all of that you, you wouldn't even desire it if god's grace wasn't already alive in your heart i'm done talking about it. i'm sorry
1: so luke how are you doing i'm getting my ass kicked in my fantasy league
0: oh man Actually, is that really... hard for you is that hard I was, for
1: you? I was doing really, really well, and then a bunch of my guys have just gotten hurt, and it's just been it's been tough. But uh, and I think I might have issues with dairy, so that's been it's been a really, really terrible week health wise. But other than uh, that, great, if you don't mind, Luke, I'd like to accompany you. This process of <laughs> uh, you doing. You do with not, not want to accompany me through this. Trust me.
0: <laughs> what you want to do is evacuate the dance floor.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh Cascada God. was right. Evacuate the dance floor. I I don't know if anyone could tell this is this is this this is uh, this is catching foxes. So let's get specific. Uh, on our last podcast, I was barely there, and it, like what I did talk, it probably made no sense at all because I was like so dehydrated and just like d- just not there. And um I've had blood work drawn. I've like oh, wow. I've, yeah, no cuz I mean it's been it was bad. It was really bad. Don't worry, mom, it's not that bad. It's not a thing I feel like I should talk to you about yet. So to, please don't be upset that you're hearing about this for the first time on the on the podcast. That My happens Lou. every time that I get sick. Every time that I bring it up on here, she goes, "Why did I why have to hear about it through the podcast?" Well, she tells Emily that and then, like Emily tells me. So the doctor told me to uh, avoid dairy for two weeks, so. Yeah. Mama called the doctor.
0: The doctor said, no more monkeys jumping on the bed.
1: Yep, and by that, they mean the cheese that I love so, so much.
0: You know what's so sad right now? Mm. I don't, can you hear your, I hear you not hear. Yeah, you
1: hear that? What is that? Mild cheddar cubes. Thank <laughs> you so much.
0: I'm literally eating cheese as we've been talking.
1: Do you know how hard it is to do the keto diet and not eat dairy? it's the worst that's the, the answer worst. is the impossible only,
0: yeah the only snack i eat is dairy
1: yeah so uh, i don't eat snacks
0: at all i like tried to do almonds and i was like cost four hundred dollars for a small bag of almonds no thank you sir <laughs> i'll go with cheddar
1: cheese i'll go with kroger brand cheddar cheese good day um actually the kroger select stuff is pretty good um yeah so it's um and it sucks cause i feel so great when i'm doing uh keto because that and i but like just can't do that keto? Uh, whatever. I don't. I don't know. Uh, when I'm doing Kato Caitlin, isn't that the guy with the OJ trial? <laughs> it sure is, kids. It sure is. Didn't we just talk about courage? Um, ooh, is that a bad joke? Oh, I'm sorry. Was he gay? No, I just thought, I thought you I thought you were like saying I'm gonna okay. Never mind. I don't know. Ooh. I thought you said something else. Then I made mean, yeah. Cut that all out. Anyways, <laughs> um, the magic of editing. <laughs> uh, oh, so talk.
0: You were saying about how the last episode with Abigail you were um uh, oh I was just a mess (laughs) you were a tell so there well there was only one part there was only one part where I could tell like man what's going on with Luke right now you were trying to ask her this is so funny you were trying to ask her um did her conversion that she was talking about was it like a big one-time moment that you look back and was like whoa or that you that you that you went through or was it like just this progression, a gradualism, that you look back in the rear view and see, like, oh, look how far I've come, kind of thing. But it took you five minutes to say that. And what I did was I meticulously <laughs> trimmed it <laughs> down so to the last like minute and fifteen seconds. I'm and so it just it came across as great. No, it was funny, but you were like she goes, like, like with my conversion or something? And you're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like
1: like, so, like, before your conversion. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you understand. I've been going to the bathroom once every hour for the past five hours. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with me here. I might have to be hospitalized. That, that's, that's actually not true. It, it, it never came to that. But if it would have come to that, uh, Mama Carrie, he'd have called you. I would have. Yeah. So, oh, I'm proud to say that my uh, where I podcast. Uh, actually, I do have a couple. Uh, do you have some topics? I have some topics. Man, I have nothing. Okay, good. Um, as is a Catching Fox's way, <laughs> yeah. um, we've decided to call where I podcast the Vowels and Balthar Studio. The Vowels and Balthazar or, Studio. Or just um, Vowels and Balthar. So I'll say I'm coming to you from Vowels and Balthazar a- as I'm voted by our patrons at patreon.com slash CF. Mm-hmm. So excited for that. Um, I'm going to Tampa. Tomorrow to hang out with NFCYM, so that what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? Nothing. Nothing Nothing, Luke. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I've already like thought of things I'm going to say during like if they have well, okay, no. If certain things aren't addressed and there's a Q and A, I'm going to bring up said said things. So the Vatican
0: dicastery on the laity has asked us not to take any binding votes <laughs> on young adults wait what
1: <laughs> yeah we're all just gonna hang out uh oh, man so I'm, I'm excited about that i'm excited to go to tampa where where it's where it's warm and life is gonna be good so um okay so you ready yeah buckle up so i was on the phone today with a person who's in a job in a diocese he was just he wanted to talk with other people who were in um like role who were in roles like the one that this person has and so we are, are chit-chatting as you do and I was kind of telling her about like what we do and she and she just kind of like stops and goes wow that's that's really cool you don't really hear a lot of people talk about it like that or like doing stuff like that and I got so freaking sad and so I want to use this point to have, I want to, I want to use this time to have what we call a catching foxes moment. Catching foxes moment brought to you by the wandering mind of Luke Carey. If you work in the diocese and your Any job, diocese. quote unquote, involves um, <laughs> ministry and you're not trying to create stuff, you're not trying to like, make waves, you're not trying to like, make things happen, just quit. Just do us all a big fucking favor and quit. Because you're a pathetic waste of time and space and money. I can't take this anymore, man. I can't take it anymore. This special so moment
0: has been brought to you by Luke Carey, reminding you that if you're not burning shit to the ground at least twice a week, you don't belong in the church. I'm not saying
1: more. that there are so, people. Okay, so, like, really, if it comes down to it, you have like three types of jobs, right? You have a job where you basically have a service that you provide. You have a job where you have to, uh, where you create some type of a product for people t- to use. And you have, to, and you ha- or you have a job where you have to regulate things. Now, most dioceses don't do products, nor should they do that. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, or like, but I think it's yeah, so. I you don't even know that now. Some people in dioceses have jobs where you really have to regulate stuff, and that makes a lot of sense, especially things like Catholic schools. Um, you know, like there are things where you have to have a person saying, "No, you can't do this. You you like have to do that," and they will help you put out those fires and like all of, and all of those those uh, those things right there. You have some, and this is becoming a trend where you have more of the services where. We're going to help you do this, this, and this. And that's good. But where a lot of the ministry comes in, I feel like it's just this, you just exist to exist. And your whole job is just to like create, like just to keep whatever you have going. If that's what your ministry is based upon, like just stop what you're doing and go sell like houses or something. You can make a ton, you can make a ton more money. People can, you know, hear you talk, which is like what you want any like, Anyways, why are you doing this? Like, I, I it just blows my mind that when she, when she said, wow, I haven't really heard that from a lot of people. I just wanted to die inside. Because what are you doing? Like, what the hell are you doing? Do you want to get more more specific?
0: Every fiber
1: of my being
0: <laughs> wants you to get incredibly <laughs> specific. Well, See, folks, this is the part of the show. Where Luke is kicking on somewhat of a filter, and it's my job to
1: push that
0: filter back down and lock it <laughs> into place so it doesn't turn on. And Luke, Luke's wife gets nervous that they're going to lose their health insurance. So, Luke, please continue.
1: <laughs> I want to fly. Um, <laughs> I'm a free spirit, baby. Well, it's just when you, you know, uh, I just don't know what these people are doing. Like, I hear things, and I get very excited about it at times, and then I then I, then I, ha, then I have a call like this, and I'm like,
0: what? Okay, so you're talking about, uh. let, let's set the stage for our folks. So you're saying there are people in dioceses that are doing incredible things with the gospel, right? They're doing new things. They're trying creative approaches. They're doing good stuff, and they're challenging mm-hmm. the status quo. But then yeah. there are other people who show up Monday through Friday, and they're just, they're just, pushing, pushing paper, making it happen the same way it's been. And they're not being creative or dynamic or pushing back or saying, why, why are we doing this? So you're saying you're hearing all this creative stuff. And then someone calls you and they're in the pits of despair.
1: Pretty, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's more of like this person just kind of wanted to know, like, like what was like, what was going on? And I, and I talked about, well, like we do, and we do two things. This is pretty much it. Is we is we cultivate community, and we provide opportunities for the gospel to impact people's lives in concrete ways. That's it. That is all that we do. Right there. That is that is our pitch. Um, I, I'm not saying that other people should co- should uh, copy us, though some people are, and it's a little upsetting. But that's not, that is neither here nor there. Um, but. I, it, it really bums me out when I can tell that people aren't trying to make They're not trying to, like, create movement. They're not trying to, like, make waves. They're just trying to be heard and be the expert and mm. not – but, like, do what? Like, what are so you – So it's not
0: even just the paper pusher. It, it might be the overachiever, but it's it, – are you saying it's all about them?
1: I th- I think it's things Careerism?
0: Where, Is this the careerism stuff?
1: It's more, of, it's more about um, – Okay, so I'm gonna get very specific here. Let's use let's use the NFC the NFC like YMs. Um, they're like like now this is just Luke speaking. This is my opinion. The like whole like, national dialogue thing that they are trying to push, and that may have kind of stopped with everything that has gone on within the church. I haven't heard a lot about it, so this could be like a mute point. But last spring, we heard about this national dialogue. We heard about it over the summer in twenty seventeen as well. To me, is an is an example of an institution that doesn't really know what to do with themselves. So they're gonna, they just want to have more reports, and they need more need people to like take a survey and to talk to. So they can have more, in, so they can have more information to do what with? I don't know. Why do we need to do is We just we just had a synod we just did a whole bunch of this and they want to do it again to do what? What's the, what, what's the, what are you trying what's your hope? Like, and don't tell me to have an effing conversation or a dialogue. That means nothing. That's a buzzword that has no meaning. So what are you trying to do? If you want to have a conversation, start a podcast, write a book. Like it just, like, stuff like that makes no sense to me at all, but that's what people tend to do is they or um, they just have these events that serve no real purpose. And so, and, like, I'm all about things that, like, don't really have a point, but not when, it. you know. Like <laughs> what does I'm that not, mean? What does that mean? That I, I don't think everything needs to have some, some, um, utilitarian oh, okay. um aspect to it i I'm, I'm not saying that but i'm saying that they should be grounded in something that you're trying to cultivate you're trying to grow like it doesn't give off life it's more just to have another thing because now because this because this is what we do we get paid to put on like things here if that's what you want to do, the majority of you are all un you are are all unqualified for your job because you don't have a degree in event planning Ugh. You know, and, and and that's what I mean. I think we're, that's what most people are doing, is they just like it's that idea of like, I want to do this event, but it's it's like at the service of like this and this thing that we're trying to go for is a really good thing, a really really good thing. And most of and that doesn't exist. I said, okay, so like what well, like we do all of our events, all of them are either trying to cultivate community or provide an opportunity for the gospel to impact people's lives in concrete ways they all go back to those two things right there sometimes it's a little bit it's a little bit like more on one or we have to like emphasize one or one or the other but we're not just doing it because we're like this is what a diocese should do do these like big events and that have like again like no purpose no real meaning nothing and it drives me crazy and i think i think it's such a waste it is i mean the church has probably has probably wasted like across the country millions of dollars on things like this tens of millions if if you look at how much these events cost sorry
0: when you went to the one of the national dialogue meetings with me uh didn't you find that super beneficial though
1: no i um None the slightest. I thought it was going to be. I, I thought what I thought they meant was a national dialogue, like uh, the national conversation about yeah, about like what's going on with in, like ministry. And I was like, we should go to that. We kind of have a voice in that realm. And instead it was like, here's the survey we're going to make everyone take. And I was just like, oh, no, Jesus, God, no. You know? <laughs> like I just like I died inside. I died inside, and I felt because they're all really nice people that were there. They're really kind, like I, I don't doubt their intentions, but it's just it's just so not good.
0: I um, so I received information from the national uh, dialogue thing, the moment, right? Isn't that what it's called? The moment. I,
1: I don't, I don't even remember because I'm not going to do it.
0: Yeah. So I received information. and There was a request for white papers and they give you a handful of topics and stuff that you could write on and um i tried i tried i tried to write multiple multiple times i tried to write and i couldn't i just there was nothing there that came out i i have no idea how this is going to help anything exactly Um, so this is this is so would you say this is the bureaucracy this is what it looks like when instead of evangelizing individuals and groups and communities empowered to evangelize this is what it looks like when the institutional bureaucracy calls evangelization because you need dialogue like you need to understand where people are coming from if you don't talk with people you know like one of the biggest things that i've ever did i went to a young adult meeting with my archdiocese and i met this awesome young woman who launched oh man let me see if i can remember off the top of my head it was like young adult community no young adults of african descent group it was it was it was bigger than that but the whole idea was africans african-americans caribbean americans everyone who now finds himself in houston who has darker skin from africa right come here come to our group right and it was awesome and i saw her like a month ago and i walked to her and i said hey you started that the that that group right we met like two years ago and she's like yeah so the cool thing was like, if I had never met this woman, I wouldn't and sat at a table and listened to kind of like her story. I never would have heard any of the trials and tribulations of trying to get together. Like, cause we have a black Catholics group in our diocese, right? That's like an official group and all that stuff. And she was trying to unite black Catholics. People understand themselves as African-Americans and all that other stuff, uh, different groups and, and, and shades of groups and whatnot. And, um, and yeah, like I never would have known that unless I sought and had a conversation. This is—is is it wrong for an institution to try to acquire that knowledge?
1: Um, no, no, of course not. I just think it becomes like a mute point when you are doing it for the sake of dialogue. Yes, so dialogue has to be for the sake of of what a solution or a, yeah a like, relationship. Yeah, yeah. So if they want to. Like, and I, I'm just like, we, like and my whole point with that is we just had a synod on this. We just did all of this. What, what's the point of this? Like, really, what is the point of this? And it reeks of we have nothing else to do, so oh, we're okay. going to do this. You know, and I, again, I'm, I'm not opposed to having a dialogue. Um, I think there are a thousand different things we could have. We could have a, I would love to have a dialogue on LBGTQ stuff. Let's do it. Let's talk about that specifically.
0: Bring the groups together.
1: Yeah, like specifically. Let's talk about that. Um, like, and just just that. So I w- would love to have to like sit down with 10 individuals who identify as like, you know, LBGTQ Catholics and like hear them out. that'd be great or 10 people who say they have same sex a that are like encouraged or like you know whatever are trying to you know like any
0: of the any of the groups right like yes the father james new horizons group courage Mm -hmm. you want to have a conversation see this is the the funny thing is us heteros on the outside we have no idea what kinds of conversations are happening because we're not involved it's not about us right but part of the dialogue is you dialogue with people who are not you in order to gain insight right so when mm-hmm. i sit down with you know a parent's you know gay atheist son at my parish right i'm having that dialogue as an individual right but that that's not going to rep you know it's just anecdotal it's not going to represent many people's stories and you know whatever so yeah i mean I, I get what you're saying it does feel like, like i remember one time i was a part of a church and they said, we're going to launch a committee and we want you to be a, a founding member of it. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm really busy right now. What, what's the committee? And they said, oh, I think you'll love it. It's on evangelization. And I said, cool. So it's a group of people going out. He goes, no, not a community, a committee. So we're <laughs> going to decide first, like what we're going to evangelize, what group or how we're going to go about it. And then we're going to build a min a, a one ministry or maybe many ministries. I'm like, oh my gosh. This is an ad hoc planning committee about evangelization. And I just said, no, like, we know that we need to evangelize. You don't need a committee to tell you to evangelize. You need tips and tricks and, (laughs) you know, skills to pay the bills. You don't need Mm -hmm. a committee to tell you to do it. You just need to go and do it,
1: and you need to know how to do it correctly. It really comes down to this. Y'all ready for this? Are you just talking about stuff, or are you actually creating things? Because real love creates. Real love creates, you know, and again, having a talk is clearly important, but like, like, I think this is what our Ratzinger is getting at when he says that pretty much talking about the faith at like ends in boredom. Like if you just talk in circles and you're not trying to go anywhere, you're not trying to like really, un- like if you don't know where you're going or why you're having these if you just want to talk about th- the faith, you're going to end up bored. Yeah. And that's why I think so many, so many like dioceses are just boring. Why they oh, yeah. are boring. Because it's just talk. It's all talk. There is no real movement. There's no encounter. There's no Christ. I mean, that's, you know, like wh- why have that? Um, it's just endless talking. And I am so over it. And the time for it is done. And like bury that shit in the ground. It, 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 like It has to stop. It has to stop. Or the church is like or we are so much more F than I thought or than I already think that we are. <laughs> that was an old catching foxes rant. Ooh,
0: wow. So I started it with a rant. You oh. went on a rant. That felt well, that's good. great. Look Let's call that. it a day, Luke.
1: We did we'll it. Call
0: it Woo. We did it. We did it, America
1: screw those ass assholes who say that we aren't like our old episodes anymore we still got it Mm. (laughs) of
0: course now we're complaining about (laughs) old people things uh (laughs) (laughs) hey luke can i tell you something fun
1: uh please tell me about a uh health insurance stuff because i'm ready to talk about that
0: let's have a conversation about some freaking health insurance health insurance is difficult you know what makes it it more difficult Having moral principles, some might call those moral principles high ideals.
1: Oh my gosh, really? Doesn't it? It really does, right? Like it can get if you if you get down to it, it can be so freaking overwhelming.
0: What insurance or high ideals?
1: Um, having moral principles when it comes to like health. I mean, really, you're like, oh, and now I'm paying for abortions. What?
0: Yeah. Oh, you got sterilized. Oh, you're you're switching genders. Okay, I guess I'll pay for all of that stuff. Um. Yeah. And so why not, Luke, why not break away from the normal rat race of health insurance companies that aren't really making our health better and work with people who understand not just our values, but people who put their money where their mouth is and actually fight for Christian community. Enter Curo Catholic Healthcare. Yeah, You
1: go to their website at... Mycatholichealthcare.org. I don't have it in front of me. Did I remember it? Yes. Yes. Mycatholichealthcare.org.
0: And the reason for this that's so important is because you do have alternatives than just your run-of-the-mill, you know, buy this policy from huge big box provider of insurance. So we want to encourage you to just go and check it out. I have friends that joined the Samaritan Health Insurance Group a long time ago, a long time ago. And now that there is a Catholic uh, aspect to it, this Curo Catholic health care is overwhelming. It's powerful, and it is very, very affordable, and it's an accepted part of the uh, the uh, Obamacare. What do you call it? The American the Affordable Healthcare well, Care Act. Something, something. Samsonite. <laughs> affordable Care Act, ACA. Woo! So it's a part of the Affordable Care Act. This is not some weirdos who are going to steal your money. And the cool thing is they give you the names of people who are suffering, who need, the, uh, who need the money to pay their medical bills that Curo helps negotiate a better price. And we just send our money and our prayers to those people, and they pay the bills. How awesome is that? Check them out at mycatholichealthcare.org.
1: And it's very affordable. I was very, I'm very impressed by, by this. So I really encourage all like all of you guys, pause this podcast, go And go to mycatholichealthcare.org. Thank you to Curo for sponsoring the Catching Foxes podcast. Was that better than my four-minute ad read from last week?
0: What do you mean, four-minute ad read, Luke? It wasn't four minutes in the show. (laughs) Did you listen to it in the show?
1: No. I'm too embarrassed to go back and listen to it. You should literally
0: sit down and listen yours and then listen to the cut because i i saved the uh marker i put a chapter on it so our hero friends could listen to it
1: oh, nice. i
0: created uh, a whole new fresh template of logic pro i said i'm gonna work on this to get it to two minutes and i almost got there so what i did was I sped it up four <laughs> percent <laughs> and i got there I nailed it so good, good job. job luke
1: all right, A, are you ready for the next topic of choice? Yes. I just sent you a text. I don't want yep, to mention I'm this, reading it right now. Guy's full name, but we'll call him Peter. We'll call him Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. Sneaky uh Sneaky Pete. This is I love I love this dude. Um why don't you read those two texts out out loud for for the kids? For the kids. I would like you guys.
0: Can I, What should a voice What voice should I do?
1: Very upbeat and energetic think think (laughs) okay think like bicycle like like a uh think like a guy who's in charge who's in charge of like bicycle class or something (laughs) you mean like a cycle
0: like a spin class Uh, like absolutely
1: please think that
0: (laughs) all right ladies here we go i would like you guys to do an episode or think about doing an episode on whether the new evangelization has become too mechanized and the possibility that parishes have lost their focus on sanctity, canonizable sainthood. Come on, ladies in the back. Let's see you move. Too much focus on training, not enough on formation. Trying to turn Catholics into quasi-professional ministers rather than ordinary Christians striving for heroic sanctity. Uh, I believe you're not allowed to strive for heroic sanctity. That's too much of an idealism. Boom. (laughs) No, I think that's a great question. I think that's a great question. I'm going to tell you why I think it's a great question. I'll give you my thoughts. You give me your thoughts, Luke. Here we go.
1: We'll call it a podcast.
0: We'll call it a podcast. Maybe afterwards we touch each other. I don't know. I don't make the rules, Luke. I just live by them and make them. Um, I would say that there is so much content that is out there that makes promises wild marketing promises we're gonna turn you from this into this your parish is gonna go from that to that now i do think a lot of these marketing efforts are touching on what a parish maybe should be or could be right but at the same time yeah i do think this notion of like you can equip someone with tips on how to evangelize without having them already be lovers of Jesus Christ. And that's not good. Right. You're, you're getting like, so you, you made the comment about training versus sanctity or formation, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, like are, there are plenty of smart people burning forever in hell, eternally separated from God, but there are no holy people doing that. So if our priority as a parish is to make smart disciples and not holy disciples, then we have failed our task.
1: Mm. I like it. I like it. I'm going to eat some more cheese while you talk. So, I've been trying to wrestle a bit with the idea that if you look at the Gospels, very um, very, like, rarely does Jesus actually tell people to go and evangelize. If anything, he tells them I'm not to say anything. Now, you could argue that that there's these you know because he knows they're gonna like go and like tell people blah 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 but i, I think it it gets to this point that real evangelization is an is and it is an impulse um that it, it just comes from some external thing has caused that impulse within with in, in a person to want to go and tell them about christ and i think so th- that's really interesting um and two, I just got your text message. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> this Wayne, Br- uh. <laughs> um, and then two, I, I do think there's now. Of course, we want to train good, train, train. We want to form strong Christian leaders, and now we really, I'm um, desperately need them. But I do think it's at times it can come at the expense of just that ordinary heroic christian life or that just like we need more ordinary christians and i think we want to like turn everyone into a um parish leader or a new evangelization leader and i don't think we really need to do that yeah uh in fact i think that's the exact we that we that's the that's the exact opposite of what we want to do we want people to feel comfortable and to know and to know what to do when they have that impulse yeah. to go and to go and event. Now, that's if it's in the realm of evangelization and hits and hits on this other really good good part here about how you know are we trying to form canonized like saints here? You know, we 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 talk a lot about trying to stir up the desire to be a saint. But are we really providing uh, like you know opportunities for people to grow as a saint? And I don't know if we do that I don't know if I do that as much as I should, both both within my own life and within my jobby job. Yeah. You know like I mean, how often is it about training people? And, and, and again, like small groups are important. But what I think is even like instantly, what what is even more important is like how are you witnessing? Like how are how do you bring how do you be Christ to others at work? How do when you when you answer emails? How is is kind of that the whole kind of like opus day approach of holiness in ordinary life? Uh, I'm scared of the
0: professional comment that he makes. Like we're trying to turn them into church ministry professionals. And I do feel a tendency with that, um, even in myself, that it's an and I think like it, it, it might come for me from my background in youth ministry, where the idea was you know all the core members who are largely parent or young adult volunteers, you were there to equip them to essentially be youth ministers. And one of the things that I always struggled with as a youth minister was, what is my role as a youth minister? What what am I doing? And I remember reading an article that basically said, youth ministers exist because adults who truly care about and love teenagers doesn't exist. So you are a professional surrogate parent in a lot of ways and a professional catechist in other ways. Right. And so the youth minister is the blend of the catechist and the parent right or Mm. the coach or the teacher right and so it's this notion of enough teachers like we we have mega schools here in in uh, the woodlands like the high schools are insanely huge people can feel like they're in a factory right i remember a teacher talking about you know the industrialization of education you know the bell goes off the herd walks in you give them the thing the herd the bell goes off the herd walks out and a new herd comes in to be branded and I thought that was funny, but the idea being um, we're not respecting necessarily the vocation and mission that God has equipped that individual soul for the, manifest, uh, for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So Scripture is very clear that we're all in the body of Christ. We're all called to follow Christ, right? There's not two moralities, one for the elites and one for the rest of us, one for the clerics and one for the rest of us, right? There's just one following of Jesus, Now, within that one following of Jesus, Scripture is clear, that there's a ton of gifts and a place for everyone within the body. But God gets to give you the gift. And the problem is, I might be called to be a preacher or a teacher or an evangelist, though we all have the baptismal call to go on mission and evangelize. It doesn't mean that you become an evangelist or a professional evangelist. And I think often what people like me want to do, is replicate others into miniature versions of myself like I was trained to do as a youth minister with my core team. Sometimes, you know, like, they're mm-hmm. here to be, mm-hmm. to be able to give a talk and give their testimony and lead a small group and be cool like I'm cool and grow facial hair even if they're women. And the whole idea across the board is this notion of, like, no, I'm here to help them discover their vocation and their giftedness in the church. And that's why Sherry Waddell's whole thing of called and gifted was so important in her book, Fruitful Discipleship. Her point was like, well, not everyone is called to be St. Paul. Some people have to be the Lydia's. Some people have to be the Priscilla's and Aquila's and all that stuff, the people who open their homes. So some people have a charism of hospitality where their home literally became the church. Paul couldn't do what he did if there weren't people who built the institution around it, Right? if there weren't people who opened their homes every single Sunday at dawn for mass and so you're you you are right what what he's saying is there is a danger especially for us professional lay people to want to replicate the professional side instead of the holiness side so it's almost like careerism replaces vocation
1: even though in the church it's supposed to be the other way around yeah and like i think there is an element of wanting to get people to like do your job so you can do your job in other areas and to increase you know yeah 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 yeah. but it's it's um it's when it becomes just that you know, and try to find that balance to enable vocation uh we don't really do a lot of that at all and i think that might be the next wave possibly there there was a woman
0: today after uh, we had a parish mission with good old Joe Ferris and he came and gave this talk and it was it was really great. He is the king of practicalness, right? And and rooting your spiritual life in the practical and vice versa. And this woman came up to me afterwards and she said, I mean, this I had this conversation literally one hour ago, and she said to me, What's been on my heart is those the classes that we had after that charismatic retreat, those three classes, I just want the one, the one on charisms. So what you want to do, you said like, you know, training lay people to go do your job in these other areas. What I would say is our goal is to identify those who have similar charisms in evangelization and train them to lead from their charism or live from their charism, but not to take someone who has a charism of, contemplative prayer and then shoehorn it into evangelization like i think that could be dangerous now the whole parish might be called to be a missionary parish right so you can have someone who's a contemplative or someone who is an intercessor be praying for the conversion of sinners for the conversion of souls in the parish boundary for the conversion of souls that are in the pews right so you can you can point them to mission but you shouldn't be replicating a particular job style does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah then does like, that mean I, that me and you nailed it
1: we sure did bam luke did we just record an sad? episode oh yeah oh no did we
0: record an episode can i tell you something sad yeah wait wh- why are you all sad all of a sudden because i don't want to be sad well it's not really sad oh in my case i uh was talking with a dude at my church and he said that he's a painter and i was like dude I want you to paint my, my downstairs. My wife has been talking about it. I actually thought my wife was pregnant because she started nesting one day and just put spackle all over the, every nail hole in the wall. You couldn't even see them. She spackled the heck out of them. And uh, so I tell him, would you come? Spacklin' foo. <laughs> yeah, spacklin' foo. So she, he came over. and He surveyed it. He said, I'll be done by Wednesday, Thursday at the latest.
1: It, is it still
0: happening? It's still happening, bro. I
1: thought you were supposed <laughs> to be done by on Friday.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But here's the reason. This is why I think it's a good thing. Is it your fault? <laughs> no, no, no. For once. For once. It's not my fault. He is such a perfectionist, which is what you want in a painter who's painting the interior of your house. He's mm-hmm. such a perfectionist that he actually fired his help because he wasn't painting well enough. So I feel good about that, but then it took twice as long. So he's doing the final touch-ups tomorrow. But I am very impressed. We have rounded corners and rounded walls. So you just have to create like a seam because we painted our ceiling white and the walls gray because our floors are brown and all that stuff. So we just wanted a neutral color. And Mm -hmm. there's no like seam. It's just like this like rounded smearing into one from the other. He just created these oh, – it was awesome. It's awesome. But the funny thing is I don't have to deal with it. I go to a jobby job. My wife has four kids that she homeschools, where she has to decide at any given part of the day, am I going to be downstairs for the next eight hours or am I going to be upstairs for the next eight hours because he's on the stairs and he's painting. You know, so he takes a bathroom break, Shannon's like, Quickly kids, let's get lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, quick. Go, 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 go. He's cleaning his brushes in our backyard. Quickly, back up the stairs. Homeschooling. To the desks. (laughs) To the windows. To the walls.
1: Never mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) So anyhow. Uh, So that's still going on. So he left tonight while I was in the parish mission. He left at like eight fifteen after my kids were in bed. Oh, God God bless that man yeah because he's so frustrated that's taking taking longer than he thought but it looks good my friend you ever paint have you yes. ever painted an inside inside wall yeah it's been a long time man i did my kitchen and my dining room and uh yeah i realize i am terrible <laughs> i am terrible at that
1: <laughs> thank god you're good at the whole speaking thing huh am i right ladies <laughs>
0: uh speaking of speaking things luke did you know i'm releasing a new podcast tomorrow
1: oh yeah i heard mm-hmm. how does that make you feel honesty <laughs> honesty i was really excited for it and then i saw the picture and i was like then i was like oh this is really good and then i we were uh okay what were we doing we we had we had just on left going because we might build a house now and uh, we just left. Is like this, you uh, and Aaron, uh, one not me meeting. and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and your wife, not me. and you. <laughs> Yet, Do um, <laughs> we change those laws. <laughs> and uh, then I had this thought about. I was like, man, like also just hit me. I was like, what if it gets bigger than our podcast? And I got really sad. <laughs> it's like he won't have time for me anymore. It's all just gonna go away.
0: It's all gonna go away. <laughs> How, what is it about us that makes us go to the darkest place first?
1: it was I mean it was like like we were like outside of this place I was about to like start my car and it all hit me and like Aaron's like are you okay and I was like yeah I'm fine oh buddy (laughs) no no and I'm there no it's not that I'm like I'm not jealous or anything it just was like what if this gets bigger than ours and like he just says oh nope done and they start doing and they can do like live podcasts like every month and I'm just like all alone
0: (laughs) Well, Luke, I got good news and I got better news. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. I would rather die than give up (laughs) Catching Foxes. (laughs) There is uh, a ginormous American patriotic pressure release valve for the Catholic Church today, and it is called Catching Foxes. (laughs) If you're Canadian, you love us too, and we love you, Canada, damn it. America, we've gone through some tough times now. First McCarrick, then we lost lost George H.W. Bush. He's not Catholic, but it's fine. He's in Houston. He had a cute dog. He's married for 73 years. Maybe he killed Kennedy. I don't want to speak ill of the dead. I still miss the man. However, I would never give up catching foxes. You want to know why? Yes. I thought you were going to talk. I was like, oh. I know a, what if you're like no i don't want to know why you're a liar you're tacky and i hate you um <laughs> because right now catching foxes through our wonderful patreon supporters makes me more money so why would i ever <laughs> give that up
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i gotta hustle baby don't Kateri, me wrong Kateri walked up to me and i've been having these really sad moments with my kids where i'll get up to go to work and my son noah five years old will come up to me and go daddy are are you going to work oh yeah buddy yeah 8 30 i gotta get there at nine and he goes "Aw, i don't want you to go to work and i go i know buddy but daddy has to he goes no dad you always go to work all you uh-huh. do is work and i'm like no that's not true And then I look at my calendar, of course, every weekend, at least one of the two days I've been off doing something. And even when we all go to Mass as a family at 9, I hang back and teach RCIA at 10 to 11.15. And uh, so I don't drive up with them. I sit with them at Mass, obviously, but then I don't drive home with them. And so now Daddy didn't get home until noon, and so I'm gone basically from his life. You know, it's like all this stuff, the way little kids process things. So my daughter walked up to me today. And I had Patreon open, and I'm looking at our our supporters, God bless them, and my funny McCarrick things that I made at literally four <laughs> o'clock this morning. So many there people got okay. so
1: mad at you about that, huh? So many people were like, "What is this?"
0: Yeah, no kidding. It was so funny. My wife is like, well, how, "How? Why are you doing? Why would you do that?" And I was like, "Cause I'm making fun of them." What? It's just exactly like, oh my gosh, what
1: my, what my response is like? Why would you not?
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's no tree there are no gifts there is only McCarrick Merry Christmas that's hilarious and it's a picture <laughs> of him holding his hands up oh it's so funny anywho the uh, the um, my the so that picture demanded. The, yeah the picture is up on the screen my Kateri walks up walks right up next to me and this is this morning right and she says daddy I understand why you take away screen time from us, but how come you don't get screen time taken away? <laughs> and I go, Kateri, that is a very valid point. I said, Daddy hasn't sat down and watched TV in a long time, but I do watch a lot of YouTube. You're right. I said, But this is work. And she looked at me, and she's like, That's not work. And I go, No, 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 no. Look over here. See, Catching Foxes are create. or Luke and Gomer are creating Catching Foxes. Two hundred and thirty-three <laughs> patrons. I said, Katiri, do you like it when Daddy leaves on the weekend, and she goes, "No, I hate it when you leave me." And I was like, "Oh shit! Oh, oh, oh shit. shit! I hit some I hit some raw there." I go, "Okay, okay, okay. Let me put it this way: When Daddy does catching foxes and all these wonderful nice people, like Rebecca and Kelly and anne Marie, those are the names I'm looking at right now. When they don't, they give Daddy money, and Daddy pays the bills." With for catching foxes with it. And then I split it in half. I give half to Luke and half to Daddy. The more people that donate, the less daddy travels. And she goes, Oh. I said, So when I post hilarious stuff like this <laughs> on our Patreon support.
1: So when I post gold on here, I don't want to <laughs> hear it from you, kid. <laughs> pure
0: pure freaking gold. At two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that makes no sense. I said, people they like they they want to support because it's silly and it's funny and, and dear lord and she goes well okay daddy but only if you're making money and <laughs> then she turned around <laughs> and walked out the door and i was like oh gosh being a parent makes me want like, to cry all the time oh buddy
1: oh uh, good times that's so funny uh, and if <laughs> and if um you want to keep gomer home uh go to so his kids don't have to pay for therapy uh, go to <laughs> patreon.com. dot com. Sorry, <laughs> just you just what we're a really great I dug the knife in. <laughs> go to patreon.com slash cf. Uh, if you give over ten dollars a month, you get an extra podcast. Uh, not all the time, but a lot of the times, we we you get a lot of like side stuff. So you get you get the
0: I, we have two different things of shows. So one's called bonus show, which is the leftover chunks that I took out in editing or whatever just didn't fit, or maybe me and Luke had a side conversation. But then you get B-sides, and B-sides are kind of like a whole other podcast, but not... So, for instance, Luke interviewed a soccer player. We had that as a B-side. We interviewed Father Robert Spitzer, and it just, if, it, if it's narrowly focused on one topic for a, the whole time or just doesn't fit a general audience, then maybe that'll become the B-side, right? If there's more instruction over discussion or more faith or culture, not faith and culture and their collision, then it it, it makes sense to be a B-side and so a buddy came to my work at Angry Catholic on Twitter he sat down with me and we talked about the passion of the church worker for almost an hour just under an hour, about 58 minutes and Luke, I want to tell you the saddest thing in the world the files corrupted everything got destroyed
1: Except for 8
0: minutes and 28 seconds. And it was the last 8 minutes and 28 seconds. And I'm going to tell you this right now. It was a tithe unto Yahweh because it was the best 8 minutes and 28 seconds of that talk. And I just posted, it's a story of how a new priest shows up. The whole parish staff basically was against him. And within 24 hours, the priest was ready to fire him. You're not doing your job. The kids aren't catechized. The priest had never spoken to a single teenager and said that the kids aren't catechized. So they made him take a Catholic standardized test, and the kids destroyed it. Amazing. No one ever brought it up again. They didn't even give him the results of the test because they just wanted to get rid of him. So he shares the story, but he opens it up with this, like, choice quote where he says, so many of us who work for the church are like doctors, and we're going out into the world to heal, you know, to help bring healing to these patients, We're out in the world and he said so often we forget that those who are in the church uh church workers or co-workers with us also are patients Mm. and there are so Mm. many people who are leaders in the church who are also patients and it's so easy to forget that and that's how he started it off with and that file was perfectly uncorrupt and i was like oh my gosh i think i just hit gold so i do it does suck because the first comment's like well, I really wanted to hear the whole story behind it. And I was like, damn it. But it's oh, good. Man. It's good stuff. So it's stuff like that that me and Luke tried to do. Um, <laughs> in between Gomer recording all these extra podcasts.
1: You know, I'm uh, talking bit. Um, uh, sorry about that. Uh, talk for a bit about what you're doing with Van Vickle. Okay, so this is cool. So every Wednesday at noon,
0: uh, me and Dave Van Vickle have a new show called Every Knee Shall Bow. Not bend, bow. Every knee shall bow. And the whole purpose of it is to teach people how to evangelize so they can all become little automatons like me and Dave. No, so that uh, people can evangelize in very practical ways. And the goal is to equip all Catholics. So I go and I read marketing of places that would be like, you're going to evangelize. And you just get apologetics. You're going to evangelize. And you just get like theory. So what we do is we draw on mostly our mistakes, some of our good stuff. But we hit like major themes in evangelization and we develop it. And it's like a 30-minute podcast. We just recorded one on how to give a testimony. So Dave walked you through how to give a testimony. And then with that, Dave gives his testimony. So he gives you like hit these points, blah, 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 do it this way. But he does it. Our whole goal is to do it in a way where your relationship with Christ is centermost. So we draw on a lot of like classical spirituality. We have a whole thing on um soul of the apostolate apparently dave read it when he was 15 how dare he um so that is so freaking holy and awesome i know and then we bring in the whole spiritual combat component you know since dave does exorcism ministry like a boss so it's like really it's like michael gormley gets to buckle up next to uncle dave and he just you know does amazing things so that'll come out once a week on wednesdays it's hard for me luke i'm gonna tell you why this is so hard because ascension wants it to so it's published by ascension so you go to ascension.com ascensionpress.com and uh, media and you can find it there but um it's so hard because they want
1: a structure luke they want a uh, structure luke and they they want to have a beginning and a middle and an end And i'm like what is this expectation <laughs> i know and i can't tell you
0: luke It is the most difficult thing I've ever done. (laughs) They're like, well, in your intro, try just to keep it to like maybe like 10 seconds. And I'm like, hey, everybody, Michael Gormley here, you know, the other day. And they're like, no, 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 stop that. So we've literally recorded about 15 episodes. And I think six will see the light of day, maybe five. Because we had to keep going back and going back. And they're like. It's almost there, and I'm like, "Oh God, oh God!" <laughs> so maybe one day those extra episodes will be B sides. That's all. Awesome. I'll just keep stealing this everything from <laughs> Catching Foxes. Everything old will be new again.
1: That's we do. Or reconcile all things unto ourselves. Hey, so I have an idea. Yeah, uh, the new trailer for Captain Marvel just came out.
0: Ooh, I haven't seen
1: it. How about we watch it together, and we can react to it on the podcast we'll play it at the same time as we do and then we'll just react to it i don't
0: What's know how this it? is going to go and if it's going to suck you will not hear it from this point on
1: so scrolls are the bad guys all right
0: okay okay first thoughts i feel very aroused at <laughs> <laughs> Photoshopped uh Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. It looked good. Yeah, it did not look weird, which that's is good. weird. um Okay, man, I'm excited. I, I mean, I always knew from the first trailer that that old woman on the subway was a Cree, and she—that's yeah, why she punched her in the face. So, or it was a scroll? Excuse me. So, Crees hate scrolls. Scrolls are shape shifting aliens, and thus begins the beautiful retconning. Retconning is where you go back to a storyline days weeks months years later and you say oh yeah well they were really not themselves they were an alien and they can do anything you want <laughs> with the past by saying they were a shape-shifting alien who took their you know whatever and so uh marvel had a huge thing i think it was the it was i mean it was the scroll series uh was it the secret war or something like that and i think so. Yeah. and it was awesome i loved it but uh this looks good this looks good what do you think yeah, I was. Uh,
1: uh, I like the trailer because I I always get really on nervous when trailers like tell you the, like like here's what happens. You can pretty much like plot out the movie. Yeah, and you have a little bit of that with this, but not too much. So, I uh, I'm very excited to see this movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm pumped. I think it's going to be a good standalone female lead superhero movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm also excited that it's set in the '90s yeah that's gonna be the best part i love that in the first trailer where
0: it opens up with her crashing into a blockbuster video i mean how perfect (laughs) is that that is perfect And the pager that everyone had at the end of um infinity war Mm -hmm, where he pulls mm -hmm. out the pager with obviously like alien technology on top. but every like my dad had that pager you know and it was so funny (laughs) that they used that it's like from the 90s um I'm excited. I think that, you know, a lot of the imagery, you know, I, I didn't know who she was. So when I saw that artwork of her standing there in the costume, you know, it's, it's hard to, like, translate a stupid comic book into a movie. And they do really good. You know, no one does it better than Marvel. But when I first saw her, because I don't know who this woman is. I don't know who Brie Larson is. Well, I, around, I was on YouTube, and I was watching Craig Ferguson clips. I think he's so funny. Do you know who Craig Ferguson is? Oh, yeah, sorry. I was yawning. Oh, don't do that. You're not allowed to yawn. Sorry. Uh, That's he, just, <laughs> <was tired. laughs> he uh, Craig Ferguson, they, there's like someone had done like a montage clips of her on his show. Or maybe it was just her in general, but just a lot of them were from his show. And she is flipping hysterical. And I was like, oh, I'm sold.
1: I like her. <laughs> this will be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, that was cool that was yeah. really cool i'm excited about that i haven't seen anything about it so i've been trying to avoid a lot of them i don't i'm really trying to avoid over saturation so um that was good enough for me it's the only time that i want to see that and that was yeah it's cool yeah i'm excited well done well done uh, All right, Luke, uh,
0: you got anything for us wrap it up
1: uh no just that Um, know that all the views that i talked to that i that i expressed here were just mine and not that of my employer yeah but no yeah everyone knows that you're so Uh, god was not an american you're so edgy (laughs) 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 oh boy he sure is not um yeah and i love what we're doing and i love all i love all of you thanks to curio for sponsoring the podcast again Patreon.com slash CF if you don't want if you would if you uh wanna uh, help drive down the cost of Gomer's kids like therapy bills when they're in their twenties. Um yeah. You guys are awesome. Oh, oh, guess who's uh, a patriot guess who's a pa- uh a patron? Right now? Mm-hmm. Go and see. Uh, Go and see.
0: Opening up notifications. Aunt D. Oh, that's right. I did
1: see that. Aunt D. So, mad props to Aunt D. Very pumped to have her uh, support. Us. And she's going to be in town next next week. So, so, we get to hang out. I'm excited. Yeah.
0: And thanks to everyone for giving their shout-outs uh, to, or their comments on last week's post with Abigail. Yeah. Abigail's episode. So, today is Monday night. And she's, I think by now, she's hit the 10,000 download mark. Probably are one of, uh, definitely in the top five fastest downloaded, yeah, 10,133 episodes. Within three days, she got what most of our shows get in a week. So, Kiro, org. you pick the right episodes to donate to. Mm -hmm.
1: We've Um, been doing pretty well for the past few
0: months. Oh, yeah, yeah, but she did it in three days, what usually takes us seven to ten. So, anywho, um, people have given us a lot of rock star feedback. A lot of people say, uh, my favorite one, Sarah. This episode was incredible. As a former Tumblr user, the Tumblr part was hilarious. I'm so glad someone understands the madness of that site like I do. I thought that was awesome. And so many people were talking about they want a B side of just more interviews with her. So I let her know that. And she said, Amaze Balls. So she's excited. Nice. Well, I think we also need to call out, Luke, how you said, um, Father Brian Hess is pointing out
1: that you said, uh, this is Descartes on acid. <laughs> <laughs> that was you, but yeah, that's what I was trying to get Wait, at. Wait,
0: that was me? I thought that was you.
1: Nope, that was you. That was the point that I was trying to make, but you did a better job of it. Oh, got to call a spade a spade, Luke. But there was
0: the other one, the all-time greatest quote. I think this might be the greatest quote from the show, and this was 100% you. Right, Matt Frad texted it to me live as he was listening to the show. I probably have five people text it to me. Luke, quote: "I don't know Dick about Vatican II."
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that needs to be a coffee mug.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just want that quote there and just have it say like like dash Luke Carey. <laughs>
0: I think I'm going to make a sticker tonight. <laughs> uh, Everyone, if you're going to go to Seek in Indianapolis, wee. I will be there uh, Thursday, Friday in the morning on Saturday. Then I got to fly out to do another young adult event in the other side of the country. Luke will be there the whole time. Right, buddy? Sure will. Seek 2019 Indianapolis. Be there or be square. We're going to try to figure out where to booze it up with y'all. I am literally fasting from alcohol. And Shannon said, when do you want to stop? And I said, when I fly out to hang out with Luke. <laughs> when all alcohol abstinence ends where Luke begins. I it does.
1: Fair. It does.
0: All right. We are reminding you to come follow us on Twitter at the Luke v. I am at Lay Evangelist. You can follow the podcast at Catching Foxes Podcast or go on our Facebook page or our Patreon page. It's not just for patrons. We post free stuff there for anyone as well. So come and just check it out. Patreon.com slash CF. We want to thank all of our wonderful supporters and uh, wish you all a happy advent. God bless you guys. Luke, with friends like them, he already has. He already has. So say we all. So say we all. All right. Turn it off in five, four, three. Wait, Three, two. Wait, 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 Luke. Hold on. I'll wait. I'll wait. Hold on. I'll wait for you while I eat this cheese cube. Soon. It doesn't. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I got this cheese cube in my mouth. It's so hard to talk, although it's getting so warm and naughty. Three, <laughs> two, one. One. <laughs>